report card time. How did the position groups as a whole perform? How did they grade out? And it might have seemed insignificant at the time, but just how important was that pass interference challenge by Lincoln Riley? Let's talk about it on this episode of Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thanks for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcasts, we're free, and we're glad you're coming along for the ride. It's like jumping on Traveler every day. Appreciate you here. Without you, this show doesn't mean a thing. If you are watching on YouTube, do me a favor, click that subscribe button. It means a lot more than you think. And if you're listening on YouTube, if you're listening on your favorite podcast uh, platform, hit me up on Twitter at Mark Culkin. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't. I'm going to tell you some grades. Um, you know, yesterday's episode, uh, we talked about the individual plays and players and kind of just highlighted the, the game itself. Uh, this episode, the group is going to get lectured by the nutty professor. No offense, Jerry Lewis, or for the younger generation, Eddie Murphy. Um, it's a classic movie, sort of. Um, let's just uh, let's get right into it. Let's start with the quarterback play. Uh, if you're giving this group anything less than an A+, plus, um, who are you using as the standard bearer? Who's setting the, who's setting the grading curve? Because um, Caleb Williams, all he did was complete his first five passes. He finished the day going 19 for 22 for 249 yards, two touchdowns. His 86.3 completion percentage was the best by a Trojan quarterback with a minimum of 20 attempts since Matt Barkley had a 95% completion percentage uh, versus Colorado back in 2012. If you're into pro football focus, PFF gave him, gave Caleb a QBR rating of 95.2, not too bad. And then when Miller Moss played the entire fourth quarter, all he did was go six or seven for 81 yards. Oh, oh by the way, uh, Caleb Williams also led the team in rushing with 68 yards. Um, yeah, it's real easy to see that Caleb Williams is very special, very dynamic, and... He did everything with a very vanilla, basic, excuse me, uh, game plan. So, you know, obviously he's going to have a, a, a tougher time um, this coming Saturday with Stanford. Nevertheless, uh, when you take a look at the quarterback play, and we're talking about giving a grade based on what they did against Rice, you got to give the quarterbacks an A+. There's just no other way to, to look at it. Um, you know, again, Caleb, 19 for 22, you throw in Miller Moss, six for seven, that's, what is that, 25 for 29, and over 300 yards. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
maybe you want a couple more, one or two more touchdowns uh, out of that, considering, um, you know, the team did, they, they did score a lot, but remember the defense kind of took away some of their scoring opportunities. So um, again, that's a real minor nitpick. You only got two touchdowns out of the wide receiver group. We'll live with that. Moving on, the running backs. I gave them a B plus. They gained uh, 120 net yards rushing uh, between Austin Jones, Travis Dye, Ray Leak Brown, and Darwin Barlow. Uh, three of those guys scored touchdowns, and Travis Dye probably had the best snot bubbler uh, block of the game uh, on a blitz pickup. So you you know I, I guess I I want to see a little bit more when they play Stanford this Saturday coming up. But as far as what they did, um, they didn't fumble. <laughs> they were productive with, uh, what? how many yards did it, how many, give me a second here while I look at these stats. Um, as, a, as a group, they rushed for, let's see, USC is being credited for 208 yards. So, Take away Caleb's sixty-eight. What is it? A buck forty? Not bad. We'll we'll live with that. Um, again, a very vanilla game plan. Uh, let's just get right into the O line. I'm giving them a solid A. Uh, they allow, and again, they allowed one sack, and we could probably even put that sack on Caleb if we want to, if we're going to use uh, my three Mississippi rule. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. You need to have getting, gotten rid of the ball by then. At that moment, he probably had just finished doing his own count, and he was taken off. The one sack that USC surrendered was for a three-yard three loss. So, again, it the offensive line, they surrendered one sack technically. Um, they, uh, let's see, they helped produce, again, 200 yards on the ground, three, over 300 yards through the air, and six touchdowns and a field goal on offense. While they were on the field, that was the production. Again, they were playing Rice. I, we Everyone understands that. But they did what they were supposed to against an inferior opponent, right? They dominated them. So because they passed that first early test, you give them a solid A grade. They studied, they performed, they showed their work, and um, you you just anticipate that they'll take a another step forward from week one to, to week two, and you know they're going to be more focused. They're heading up to the farm. They're playing that team that, you know, you don't know why you hate Stanford as much as you do, but we're going to talk about that at the end of the show in our third segment. Um, I, I think it's understandable why um, USC and Stanford have such a competitive rivalry. They're the only two private schools in the Pac-12 as we know it. And so, um, you know, Stanford is the brains. USC has always been known as the, the football school. When Stanford decided they wanted to uh, be good at football consistently, uh, they made sure to take it out on USC. Anyways. I digress. The wide receivers. I'm giving these guys B plus. Nothing spectacular. Uh, they didn't need to be 
Jordan Addison had a couple of touchdowns under his belt. Yeah, they were short catches, three, five yarders, I believe. Um, but the group, you know, they produced 25 receptions for 330 yards. Uh, seven plays out from the wide receiver group went for 20 yards or more. So I think that's a, that's a that's a pretty good ratio out of 25 receptions to have seven of those be considered big plays. Uh, it just shows the the capability of this group. Um, and you you know that it's it's only going to get more dynamic um, as the season goes on. Uh, 12 different guys caught passes. Um, now, in that, in those 12 uh, guys, one of them was one reception from the tight end. So, look, it's hard for me to give a grade. I, I prefer to give it incomplete, but that's not fair. So, you know, you take into consideration they, they blocked well. Um, I don't remember them making any mistakes uh, where you're thinking, oh, wow, that was on the tight end. So, Give them a C, and you just you want to see more from them, I guess, in, in game two. Uh, Lake McCree, by the way, was the uh, tight end who caught the pass. Um, so I believe that was the only time a tight end was targeted. Again, I'm doing this strictly off of recollection from the top of my head. I have not watched a replay of the game yet, believe it or not. Overall, the offense, I'm going to give these guys an A. You look again, Rice. Yeah, we get it, but they did what they were supposed to do, right? Okay, so um, the play calling it wasn't perfect, nothing is, but it was damn good. I mean, real good, like oh my god, good. I remember what good play calling looks like, good, and they did it with. You know, some quality talent. Um, that's a good thing going forward. You know that uh, the, the the game plan against Rice was very vanilla because that's all it had to be. So um, I, I think you saw, what, a couple of uh, wrinkles that they maybe didn't have to show that they showed. You saw the end around with Mario Williams. You saw the design run with Caleb with Caleb Williams, and you know you're going to see more of that um, as the season goes along. Uh, you you don't want to expose them too much, but you do want to take advantage of a player of Caleb Williams' um, abilities. So anticipate seeing uh, more of that. Look, the the offense they they had a real early test. And the, the, the coursework is going to get significantly tougher um, on the Saturday against Stanford. Um, are they as good as I'm, you know, inferring? We'll find out. They beat Colgate 41 to 10. They should beat Colgate 41 to 10. All right. We got a new sponsor that, on this uh, episode here. And... They are Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up your college football season. And I, I, I do want to emphasize the easiest way to get started and the easiest way to play uh, to watch your favorite team. Um, let's see here. 
do, 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 you can win cold hard cash in a single game. Oh, you know this, it, this is a quality product. You want to know why? They've got uh, investment banking, backing, excuse me, from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more. So, you know, if you, if you trust those names, you can trust this, uh, this site as well. They've always been focused on building a superior product for a fun and for a fun user experience. Customer support team is top notch, the best in the business. <clears throat> so here's what you want to do. Sign up with the promo code locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Deposit $100, you're going to get $100 for free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. Get in on the college football pick em action today. All right. Um, before I hand out the grades for the defense, I want to point out. Um, something that Riley did to help the defense in that first game. It was a, it again, I it might have seemed ins- insignificant at the time, but it was actually a, it was a really big play at the time for the head coach. Um, it was a huge challenge, and I think it actually changed the complexion of the game to the point where the defense was able to get off the field and they got fired up because of it. It was their first three and out of the game. Um, Rice was basically doing their best Stanford impersonation. They Their staff came from Stanford, so they run a similar offense, uh, just not with the same quality of players. And they were basically um, on their third offensive series, uh, if had this pass interference call not been overturned, I'm not sure the defense uh, would have survived this series as well. So whether it was Lincoln Riley or one of his spies in the sky, um, someone recognized that the ball was tipped and they challenged the the pass interference call that would have kept uh, the Rice offense on the field and obviously the USC defense on the field. Up until that point, uh, Rice was perfect on their third down conversions, and they were literally were chewing up the clock uh, with the time of possession. Their first scoring drive took over 11 minutes. Uh, the second one combined for eight minutes when you take the last minute and a half of the first quarter and the, I guess, six minutes and change of the second quarter. Um, they were doing what they wanted to. So what happens if that call... Uh, Number one doesn't get challenged or or overturned. So kudos to Coach Riley or whoever said, "Hey, Coach, that ball was tipped. Let's get this play. Uh, let's get this call reversed." They did what they needed to do. We know what the defense did after that. Um, the defensive line. I, look, if we're being honest here, they were the weakest link. Uh, the three different levels of the defense. So I'm going to give those guys a C plus B minus. Again, though, when you look at the stats, um, the score and the and the, and the scoreboard, you, you say nice job, right? 
two and a half sacks out of the, uh, the four that the team had total. They had four of the eight com- four of the eight combined tackle for loss. So here's what you need to do though when you when you kind of peel back the layers a little bit. Um, you you focus in on the rush end. You need to get more out of that that group. Period. Um, you know, we Romello height, height got ejected for a targeting. And Corey Foreman, he's giving the effort, but at this point right now, it looks when you watch him, it looks like he's got one move, and that's to try and bull rush everything. And he's just getting swallowed up and lost in the pile. He's got to learn to he's he's got to be able to read the play, scrape off, and get more involved, um, get in that backfield, make the runners go east west, as opposed to running around him or through through his gap. That's got to improve. Um, I'm, I'm pointing it out because they expect a lot from that position. It is the go position in Alex Grinch's defense. Um, Dejon Benton, look, he led the group uh, with sacks. I think, uh, excuse me, with tackles. <laughs> he had five. Um, you you barely heard Tuli, Tuli Apolotu or um, Nick Figueroa's name throughout the game. They each had one tackle apiece. So, again, overall, they, they did their job. They didn't hurt the team. Um, there's some work to be fixed, um, mainly gap control. Uh, but you give, them, you give them that grade. You say, hey, go work, work harder, improve, and, and see what you can you know, improve when you, next week when you play Stanford. Um, and, and again, you without those, you also look at the couple of gash plays that they had, um, where the the Rice uh, running backs were able to get some big chunk plays. Um, that that kind of you, you look, it starts up front. So they had to get through that first level to get into open space. And so I'm going to hold them fifty percent responsible for those big runs. The uh, the linebackers, I'm going to give them an A. And and how can you not, really, when you think about it? Two pick sixes on back-to-back plays. One by Shane Lee, the other Raylan Goforth. Um, overall, I mean, they took good angles. They tackled at the point of impact. The team has, had 38 total tackles. The linebacking group produced 14 of them. Outstanding. Um Will Eric Gentry, uh, is he going to play the mic the whole game against Stanford? You could, or are they going to need to move him around? Are he and Shane Lee going to be a little bit more versatile? Uh, you know, Shane was at the will. They got Eric in the middle. I, I think the game plan is your USC should stack that box. You take away the, the running game, you make Stanford's good quarterback, Tanner McKee, beat you. But you need to make them one-dimensional. And I think USC's linebacking group is quick enough uh, to be disruptive. This could be a really big game for them. I anticipate them having a good game against Stanford. They need to have a good game. The defense needs to play a very well against Stanford because USC is going to score a lot of points. So, again, we're not looking for elite defense. 
We're looking for serviceable to good. And my definition of that means get off the field at least three to four more times um, than Stanford. Give yourself three to four more offensive opportunities than Stanford's going to have. Speed up the game because you know Stanford's going to want to slow it down. The secondary, I'm going to give them a B plus. Uh, they didn't get beat deep. Uh, Kalen Bullock, obvious MVP of the defense, without a doubt. I mean, on back-to-back plays, the guy literally went 140, 50 yards. He chased down the Rice uh, running back 55 yards, preventing a, a for sure touchdown. And then on the very next play, he turns around and runs 97 yards to the house for the interception return. Not bad, right? <laughs> Uh, tackling, I thought, was pretty good. Lotrell McCutcheon uh, from his nickelback uh, spot, Blitz, got one of the team's four sacks. Zamarian Gordon, he was next man up. He recorded USC's fourth interception of the game. You know, I guess we, we, we won't hold it against him. He didn't, he didn't return it for a touchdown, but hey, nobody's perfect, right? So, yeah, uh, the secondary, they performed really well. Granted, they were going up against a quarterback and receivers that had hot potato fingers. But they were in the right position to make the play. Um, The one pass interference call, no big whoop because it got reversed. Um, They'll they'll need to play better against Stanford. Sounds like a broken record, but hey, you know what? Rice was the perfect first game. You work out some of the kinks. Uh, everybody's getting familiar with each other, and they were playing on – it was a hot day on Saturday. The The temperatures um, in Palo Alto, Saturday, 4.30 tip off, kickoff, I believe it was around 80, 82 degrees. So perfect football weather for the end of summer, second weekend of September. Let's get into the special teams grade. Uh, place kickers, kickers holders, A minus, B plus. Look, um, Dennis Lynch – Perfect with his duties. Nine for nine PATs. He connected on his 25-yard field goal. Nine for nine left him one short of tying a USC record, going 10 for 10. That happened when USC dropped 70 points on Arkansas back in 2005. Um, The snaps and the holds were perfect. So, again, uh, no issues there. Uh... Punting, they had one punt. That was confirmed. <laughs> I think it went 25 yards. It wasn't the prettiest of punt. I'll call it a flutter. But, you know, by hook or crook, get it done. They got the ball inside the 20-yard line. I don't think it was intended to look like that. But, again, it got the job done, right? Let's hope it was just first-game jitters for the young man uh, from Australia. Aiden Dalton Sleep. Or is it Aiden Sleep Dalton? His name's Aiden. Uh, punt return. They need to look. Gary Bryant had a couple of opportunities. Uh, we need our guys because they are athletic enough to make the first guy miss and then go. They need to get upfield. First game out, get it. Hey, let's see if they uh, look better. Game two. <clears throat> 
kickoff return. We didn't really have that many opportunities. Kickoff coverage. They need to have better lane and gap control. That's all I'm going to say there. I think overall special teams, again, I gave them, what, A minus, B plus. I'm probably being gratuitous here, but again, what really stuck out to me, um, you want your new place kicker and kickers um, doing their job, and they did. Alex Stadhouse, all of his kickoffs did exactly what they were intended. Either, um, I believe he had seven touchbacks, one was a almost perfect coffin corner that Rice returned. The other two were basically at the goal line, um, making them uh, have to return them or fair catch. So zero issues with special teams other than kickoff coverage needs to get a lot. I'm not going to say a lot better. They just need to get better as the season goes on. I'm going to be very fair first game out. All right. On Inside the Trojan Huddle podcast, the weekly podcast I do over there on WeRSC.com, we had a a question that came up that the host Greg Katz put out there for uh, the panel. But I'm going to narrow this down um, for this show. Which Stanford loss bothers you, bothered you the most? Um. You know, USC, first of all, should never, ever lose to Stanford. Of course, USC, they're going to, but uh, for whatever reason, I mentioned this earlier in the show, these two teams don't get along really well. There's a lot of animosity between them. Um, If you listen to Kevin Bruce, former team captain who played on the John McKay teams in the early 70s, um, I encourage you to go check out this week's episode of Inside the Trojan Huddle, um, you could really feel his animosity. He does not like Stanford at all, period, exclamation point. Um, anyways, uh, I came up with two games. There, there was two games that pretty much everybody agreed that these ones were the two worst losses. Um, the 41 and a half point when USC was favored by 41 and a half points over Stanford, uh, that upset shocked the nation. I mean, you want to know how big of a upset that was? Sure. Appalachian state went into the big house and beat Michigan. Um, but that didn't have the impact around the country like this one did. LSU, I think. I can't remember who they were playing. Go look it up on YouTube. Their game literally came to a stop when the final score was announced that Stanford had upset USC. And on the field, their game came to a stop because the players, both teams, were were jumping up and down and applauding. The fans in the stand, it looked like a uh, at least a 3.0 Richter scale. 3.0 it would erect registered on the Richter scale if we were having an earthquake. I mean, it was loud. It was raucous. Um, That loss didn't bother me, though, that much. Because Pete Carroll's arrogance cost USC that game. Had he just said, you know what, John David Booty, your finger's broken. You can't throw the football. I need you to sit down this game. 
they don't lose this game, period. And then, you know, trying to outthink yourself, calling that timeout at the very end of the game, giving Jim Harbaugh the chance to, you know, get his players lined up one-on-one the way he wanted. Again, um, sometimes you just got to let the players do their job. And when they're not healthy enough to do it, you got to put the healthy guys in there to do it. The loss that, for me, was the worst loss was the what's your deal. Um, I had, look, at that in that game, when they did everything they did, they went for two to put 50 points on the board. They Jim Harbaugh was doing to USC what USC was had done to everybody for basically five, six years. And when Jim Harbaugh smelled blood in the water, he let his he just turned his guys loose. I mean, go back and watch that game. USC got pushed around like like Clay Helton's teams were getting pushed around. I had I was as a fan, I was never so angry. I mean, you saw how Pete reacted after the game. He wasn't sure what to do. I mean, we all read the lips. <laughs> I can't say what he really said. But um, it was, you know, to the victor go the spoils. Revenge is a dish best is a dish best served, right? Um, last year, everybody got their chance to take out their revenge. Um, as it turned out, USC wasn't a very good team. So, yeah, it might have felt good at the moment. You might be regretting how you treated USC last year. Each one of those teams that uh, laid a, a butt whooping. It's a new season. Lincoln Riley's the head coach. So, there you go. Episode number two in the book for this week. Locked on USC comes at you five days a week, 30 minutes. All the news and notes you can get. I'm actually going a little bit long here. That just shows you there's a lot to talk about in this game one. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Until then, everyone, you know what to do.